Welcome to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. This is the show where newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about stage lighting. And now your host, David Henry. Wow, here we are. Can you believe it already? Episode 67 of the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. Welcome. Um, today, we're going to be answering your questions. And um, today's kind of, interestingly enough, it, it, it's always interesting to me to watch questions come through. Because sometimes we get to these question episodes and I'm just answering, I literally just answer the questions that hit my inbox through the contact form at learnstagelighting.com slash contact. I just answer those exact questions that come through since the last time we did a Q&A podcast. I'm as many as I can get to, which should be all of them today. Usually, usually it is. Um, and sometimes there's a theme that comes up. You know, a lot of times it's just kind of random. It's about the various consoles that I cover, maybe about lighting in general. But sometimes there is a theme. And today is no exception. Today is definitely an Onyx theme on the Q&A. There's a few other questions in there. But for the most part, um, we're, we're going to be talking about Onyx. And to start off our show, I've actually got a couple things in mind. I mentioned, I believe, on the last episode that I've kind of been toying around with the idea of trying to figure out uh, how to fund this podcast, because I want to continue doing it over the really long haul. I want to continue to produce um, high-quality content and even make higher-quality episodes, um, more interviews, you know, spend more time getting really great stuff to share with you so that you not only get enjoyment out of it, but you can also make better lighting after listening to it. And I kind of pitched the idea last episode about Patreon, uh, if you do want to let me know what you think about me possibly doing a Patreon, I, I want to know. We're, we're taking on some advertisers. So go to learnstagelighting.com slash contact and just fill out that form and, and let me know what you think. Do you think I should start a Patreon to fund this thing? Or w would you rather that I go down to, to about twice a month? Because I see other podcasts. Um, one I can think of is is called Sound Design Live. It's in the audio space. And they do a Patreon, but they also only do two episodes a month. And so I was thinking, well, what if I scaled back to that, made it a little meatier? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. But at the end of the day, I want to do what you guys want to do as long as we can find a way to make it work. So I'll stop rambling about Patreon, but I'm kind of wondering, is, is this a good idea? Is this something that people, that you guys would want to support? Um, do you think it's a bad idea? And, and if I did Patreon, what would you expect out of it? Because obviously... Learn Stage Lighting Labs, which I talk about a lot here, is kind of my core product, my core opportunity for you guys to get training online and, and the way that I generally refer people from the podcast to, to be able to, to fund this thing. But if there was a Patreon, you know, what, what would you want access to? What would you want to get um, besides just good feelings that you're supporting this great podcast and, of course, you know, a shout-out and stuff like that. I'm curious to know. So, Patreon, advertising, what do you guys think? Let me know. So, for today's episode, like I said, we're answering your questions. And so, we're going to start it off. Like I said, there's a lot of questions about Onyx. So, Jeff asks, does MPC use a lot of processor bandwidth? And, of course, if you've been following along here on the podcast or anywhere else, we know that MPC Martin's MPC software is now called Onyx, um, and it's owned by Elation. And so what he's asking about, he might be on an older software version, but he's asking about the same software. And so he says, does it use a lot of processor bandwidth? I run my whole show on a PC and use Ableton Live, play a lot of VST 
instruments live, so I have to be careful not to text the processor too much that it would affect show quality. Thanks again. So, Jeff, what I've noticed uh, is that in total, you know, this is one of those it depends uh, questions. I don't know how much, how many lights that you're trying to control and how in-depth you're controlling them, you know, how many cues you're going to be firing to them, etc., etc. That's one big factor. I can tell you, though, that I've run pretty good-sized rigs on, you know, a five-, six-year-old, you know, mid-range, kind of like an i3 or an i5 processor computer, and the biggest thing I've noticed is that Onyx uses the hard drive pretty well. Uh, You may be aware, you may not, that the consoles and the standalone, uh, if you're on a PC, that it it does a lot of saving. It's always saving your show. It's always committing things to disk, which is great. But it does require a good hard drive. Uh, They used to just say, you know, make sure you've got an SSD in there. But I can tell you, I've even tested, you know, a cheap SSD versus like a nice SSD. Uh, And and there's a lot of theories on there, what makes what, but just a cheap one being, you know, a kind of a bottom of the line entry level uh, PNY, I think, or I've got a Kingston and another computer versus like my main computer or my laptop that both have Samsung uh, drives in them and and nicer ones. I've got a 760 Evo in my desktop and my laptop has uh, some kind of uh, mid to high range Samsung SSD that's um, for people who manufactures computers. And so... I can tell you that of any part of the computer, Onyx definitely taxes the hard drive the most. You want to have a good drive in there. You probably already do. Chances are uh, with this machine, but I'm putting that out there. Definitely not a, a spinning disk hard drive. You want an SSD. Now, the whole how much processor does it take? It really depends on your show. I would just get in there, you know, start setting up your show. And one of the windows inside of Onyx is called hardware monitor launch that window, watch it. Because chances are, you know, you're talking about not taxing the processor too much. And there's going to be points in your show that are really kind of the the crux of of when you're taxing the computer. Because you might be trying to fire something in Ableton, fire something in Onyx at the same time. And, um, you know, there there might be certain points where you're using both programs really heavily, uh, just occasionally, and you want to see how that is. So I would definitely do some stress testing there see how it goes. Um, You don't even need to hook lights up. You just need to set up Onyx, set that output, you know, act like you're in a show and and start to play around and and see with the amount of lights you're controlling. Is it, is it working? Is it not? Are you running into issues um, running out of, out of Ram or running out of processor? Um, Usually processors really not a big deal with Onyx as as I like to say, a lot of lighting consoles actually have pretty wimpy processors in them. Uh, as we move forward into the future, graphics become more of a thing with with lighting consoles. But as a whole, most lighting consoles controlling, you know, average to even larger size shows are not like top of the line computers by any means. OK, they're they're solid. They're stable. They do everything they need to. But they're generally not, you know, super high end. Even, even the new Onyx stuff, like they've worked hard to pack in a really great computer. But from what I've seen, from what they've mentioned, it's not like you're buying the latest and greatest computer on the shelf. They're, they're, they're putting together great components that are going to work for a long time to do powerful shows. But at the end of the day, Jeff, just uh, to answer your question way too thoroughly, probably, um, 
it generally doesn't use a lot of processor bandwidth, but it's very, very, very dependent on what computer you've got and how much you're trying to control, because that's really what determines how much that the software uses. I mean, as you're probably familiar, it's just like Ableton. You might launch an Ableton session and just have one or two instruments, or you might have a hundred, and, and the demands on the computer are going to be vastly different between those two different sessions. Awesome. So Clinton writes in, Hi, I am wondering if you made a video about the unassigned channels detected window that pops up. I had Ofer Brum make a profile for a laser, but this window keeps coming up and I'm not sure how to assign these. All right, Clinton. So I do, I have made videos for people inside of Learn Stage Lighting Labs about this, which you can find out about at learnstagelighting.com slash labs. But I don't have any video overall because it's, it's pretty rare to run into. W what's going on here, just to give you a brief thing, is when you see that window, that means that you've brought in a profile where for some reason, at least this is the best that I understand it, for some reason, some of the channels were not assigned to a parameter group. Now, in Onyx, these are the intensity, pan tilt, color, beam, gobo, uh, and framing that you'll see when you're choosing what you want to control on your encoder wheels. And, and within each of those parameter groups, there's individual parameters. So my best guess is that, you know, Ofer was making a profile for you, and with this specific laser, he didn't really know what those channels did based on the information that he had from the user manual or the DMX chart of that laser. He didn't really know what those specific channels did. I mean, he could see a description in there, but not enough to, to be able to really classify what they do. So your job is to think about, okay, what do these channels do? And then you're just going to assign them with that window. Um, and I've seen it a bunch of times, though I don't have one in front of me now. You're just going to want to assign those to parameter groups. Truth be told, it doesn't really matter where you put them. But if you don't put them anywhere, you won't be able to control them. So be sure to assign them somewhere. And then, you know, you can always bring the profile back in later, um, open up an older version of your show or something like that if, if you need to reassign them some other way. In fact, I think you can even assign them deep in the menu system somewhere in the in the main Onyx menu. Um, and so that should be able to help you. Again, if you're running into issue with any programming in Onyx, um, specifically this or other things, be sure to check out Learn Stage Lighting Labs. Not only are there much many more videos in there uh, and, and how-to guides and, and lots of steps on what to do to learn Onyx and really master things, but also, also there is our community support in the forums. You can hop in there, ask a question, I answer, other people answer sometimes too, and we help you fix things and get things rolling faster than you'd be able to on your own. And it's not that expensive, honestly. Um, to go on a little ramble here about Lloyd Stage Lighting Labs, just in the past few months, I've watched somebody else in a very similar space um, because I, I've always found marketing interesting, just as a side note. I actually, when I was in school, I found lighting because I really wanted to do marketing for a living, actually, when I was in like middle school. I thought that would be really cool. But of course, you go to career day or anything like that, and these people in suits tell you, hey, you know, and I, I'm not, I'm not I, I don't take this the wrong way if you were a suit, but you know, I'm, I'm honestly suspicious of people in suits just because of my experiences in school. And that's what the administrators always wore. Um, so that, that's always made me suspicious of people in suits, but there's a lot of great people in suits. Um, but I want to do marketing, but you go to this career day or, you know, to ask your teachers, Hey, I want to go to market. What do you have to do? They say, Oh, well, you're going to start with a four year college degree. 
you know, and, and that's immediately where, you know, I was like, mm, I'll find something else to do with myself, you know, and, and I fell into lighting that way and it's been great, but, but I do love marketing. So I, um, I've watched somebody thinking about just the price of learn stage lighting labs. There are some people who definitely say, wow, you know, learn stage lighting labs is expensive. And I, I actually don't think so. Um, if you go yearly, it's only about 20 bucks a month. If you go quarterly, it's, it's just a little bit more than that. Um, and if you go monthly right now, the price is, is 40 bucks a month. And, and you know, this is the best of both worlds. I know I could charge more for this because I just watched somebody, like I said, in a very similar space, um, teaching, you know, some kind of production skills to churches. And, and they just launched a membership site and sold it for $100 a month, okay? $100 a month. And, and I don't have anything, you know, everybody can charge what they want. But at the end of the day, I want to always keep that balance in Learn Stage Lighting Labs between the overall cost of it and keeping it um, accessible to people. So I try to keep the cost low so it's accessible to more people. Now, sometimes I might be shooting myself in the foot because let's say, you know, for me, I've talked candidly about this before on the show that I almost do this full-time. Okay, it's, it's close to full-time, but I still have to do lighting design. I still have to do stuff for manufacturers to pay the bills at the end of the day. I'm not getting rich off this, okay? And and, and, I, and I've put in years of work for pretty much no pay previously, so see how smart I am. Uh, but no, but seriously, uh, I, I love what I do here, and it's a lot of fun. But if I charged, you know, two or th- two, two and a half times what, what I charge now for learn stage lighting labs, then I would have to get, you know, half the people in to make the same amount that I make now, which kind of sounds easier, but I want to keep this accessible to as many people as possible. So if you guys are, you know, thinking about it, having issues with MPC, with, with Onyx, um, obviously that's the newer name, or, or you've got questions about lighting in general, you want to brush up, you want to learn how to create really great lighting in a variety of contexts, then I really want you to check out Learn Stage Lighting Labs. That's at learnstagelighting.com slash labs because I want to help you. And, and I think I've put together a really great product, a really great um, set of instructional videos and support that is going to save you money over the long run. I think for most people, it's going to save you more money than you'll spend if you're buying lights, uh, if you're buying consoles, etc. then this is a, a really small investment uh, and can pay immense dividends into the future. And I've had a lot of a lot of great people um, go through it and, and and tell me that it saved them money. So I would love, love to have you in there. Zach writes, this is our next question. Um, sorry to get off my rambling soapbox there, but I just want to help as many people as I can. But I and I know that I could charge a lot more, but it would it would make it so I wasn't able to help as many people. And and I wanna I I really do want to help a lot of people. And so if you can help me help you by um, joining Learn Stage Lighting Labs, if this sounds like a good fit, of course, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee uh, with the labs. So if at any point in the first 30 days you say, yeah, this isn't right for me, just cancel, send me an email, and that will take care of you. But Zach says, I just had a quick question. Do DMX splitters with optical isolation actually isolate problems like flickering? to that specific leg of the DMX chain from the rest of the other legs. All right, Zach, great question. This is actually a shift that I've seen in the past few years, and it's interesting to me. I think um, it almost comes, the, the 
the quality of DMX splitters has kind of become problematic as people have wanted the price to come down, as the market's pushed for lower cost. I hate to say that, but it seems like that's the case. Because here's what goes on. Back in the old days, when I first started, okay, we would have on a gig, we would have a DMX splitter. And the really popular ones were the Doug Fleener uh, designs ones. They're they're really indestructible. They're a great unit. And, and you know, you pay for them. Um, but they're, they're a solid, crazy good unit. And what they do is basically they optically isolate all three, the ground, the neutral, and the, the ground, not the ground neutral, not, this isn't power, but the, the ground, the data plus, and the data minus. As far as I understand, they do isolate the ground, okay? And, and this is a big difference. So what this means, basically, optical isolation is just a fancy way of saying that it literally takes the signal, the DMX signal coming from the console, and it isolates it from the lights. So it, what it does is there's a little closed um, container inside there, best I understand, that has a blinky light in and a receiver. And so it shoots that light across a little air gap so that there's no electrical connection between the signal going to the lights and the signal coming from the console or, or from whatever it's coming from previously. And, and this can solve a lot of problems with flickering and stuff like that. Now, honestly, as we've moved further into time, issues like these that, that we get from specific lights um, are less common than they used to be. Lights are built much better, they're more compliant, and we generally don't see as many problems as we used to, but they still happen. And a lot of newer splitters, including um, the lower cost one even from Doug Fleener and ones from other brands, they don't isolate the ground like it used to be, okay? Uh, they, they often will isolate the ground from the console, but not from the other outputs of lights. And that's where you can begin to see issues. Now, as I often talk about here, I'm not an electrical engineer, right? I'm not uh, a product designer. I don't totally understand always how all of these things work, but I strive to, and I strive to learn as much as I can and be able to share that with you. And so what I've noticed is that sometimes you get these units that don't isolate the ground and some problems can still potentially get through that, okay? some flickering or something out like that, if it's caused by a ground issue uh, between two sets of lights that are plugged into the same splitter and the splitter shares the ground on the signal, it can still cause that problem. Now, I'm not Doug Fleener who understands everything about DMX. I'm not a scientist. I'm not any of that. But I can tell you that I've noticed that um, in more modern splitters, especially RDM ones when they're trying to, to hit a lower cost, um, and maybe somebody who's an engineer will write in and correct me. That that happens from time to time. But w with some of these units, I, I am seeing that. That there can be some flickering. There can be some some stuff on the ground that gets from, from one uh, output of the splitter to another. It won't get back to the console, but it will get between those outputs. So, um, so Zach, it's a complex, complex question. Maybe you're having an issue and that's why you wrote in. But... For the most part, DMX splitters with optical isolation do actually isolate problems. A lot of the time, that's the case. But not always. Sometimes there's an issue um, that it just doesn't fix it. 
and um, and then you got to dive deeper into what's going on if you've got some kind of light that specifically that's freaking out and, and maybe it's got a malfunction or something like that. Um, and you got to fix it. So Diego writes in, hopes that helps, by the way, and says, Hi, Dave, I've recently started with Onyx. And when I go to launch a show, there is no option for me in the Obsidian folder to go launch Onyx from scratch. Go to the home screen with the new show and so on. I can only load pre-existing shows that come with the download. I was wondering if you have any solutions. Yeah, Diego, um, y- you might want to go to YouTube just for kicks and um, check out my my Onyx Basics videos. Um, maybe you've checked them out. Maybe you haven't. What you're, you're doing here is basically you're double-clicking on Onyx show files to start the program. Now, like I've said in the past episode, I'm no IT whiz. I'm no engineer. But what Onyx does, and I can tell you this, is you can double-click on any Onyx show file or MPC one, and it'll open. Okay, it'll bypass that whole first menu and just open the file. But if you want to start new, what you're looking for is the start menu shortcut for Onyx that, that it creates when you install the program. Now, I don't think in, in the documents folder, you know, this PC slash documents slash Obsidian slash Onyx, you're not going to find a shortcut to run the program, okay? You're only going to find show files there. But what you need is a shortcut to run the program. So I don't know if maybe you deleted them out of your start menu and off your desktop if it makes a desktop one. I don't know. I don't use desktop icons. I just use the start menu. Um, maybe, maybe, it, maybe you deleted those on accident. And so now what you're looking for is the actual application, not the show files. And so that should be inside Windows. It should be, let's see, we'll go to local disk, program files, then uh, let's see, we'll go to O. All right, Diego, so we're finding this out together. It's, it's local disk, your C disk drive probably, slash program files x86, slash Obsidian control system, slash Onyx. That appears to be where the program is. Now, when I open that, I still don't see a, like a, here's the program, here's how to launch it. And I don't understand how this stuff works. I'm not an IT pro, right? But what I would probably do is reinstall Onyx and you'll get that that shortcut back to start it. Now, in that folder that I just mentioned, C, Program Files x86, Subsidian Control Systems Onyx, uh, there is an empty show.onyx show. And if you double click that, it will launch an empty show for you. But I'm guessing, Diego, that you just got rid of those those start links, the start or and or desktop uh, shortcuts. And hopefully that helps you find what you need. But you shouldn't you really shouldn't ever need to go to the Obsidian folder and launch files. You should be able to just launch the shortcut from start or from the desktop and then be able to load the file that you need. Awesome. Warla writes in and says, and this is not an Onyx question. See, there's some in here that aren't. And uh, Warla says, hello, it's great to chance on your site. And I'm really grateful that I'm getting into stage lighting as I admire the art of lighting in stages. I was going to buy a physical console till this morning when I read your articles and changed my mind. Now I've checked prices of Entech on Amazon and realized there are different kinds of them. Which one do I recommend to a beginner like me, which is also a good budget? Bye. All right, Warla. So this is the question. This is the ultimate question is what console do I buy? I actually have a video that came out last week on YouTube. We'll uh, be sure to link to it that talks about the differences between basic, intermediate, and professional lighting consoles and how to figure out what you need. 
Because sometimes, Warla, you do just need a basic console. But by your description, it sounds like that some kind of software console, maybe with a control surface, maybe not, is going to be your best bet for what you want to do. Now, I don't have a lot of info from you, so that might not be true. But before you buy any hardware, before you buy any output hardware, you need to figure out what the best console for you is. Because while a lot of consoles will allow you to use an NTEC output uh, device to, to work with that console, some consoles don't allow you to do that. Or with other consoles, it might be more cost-effective to buy their widget instead of the Entec one, like Onyx, which we've been talking about a lot on this show. So what I want you to do is uh, go to LearnStageLighting.com. We'll put a link here in the show notes to, to an article called How Do I Choose My First Lighting Console? Because ultimately, I want you to download some pieces of software to look at my comparison of these different types of lighting consoles and figure out which one's going to be right for you. Because that's going to drive the decision of what hardware to buy. If you buy the hardware first, you might start to get into selecting the software and then find out that the piece of software you want to use isn't supported for use with that hardware. And so now you just bought a piece of hardware that for you is, um, that for you isn't going to work and then you got to sell it. And that's no fun. So ultimately, you want to find the right console first, figure out, okay, what's right for me before you buy anything? And then look at that particular console, look at what hardware it is compatible with or what the best deal is. And if you're having trouble deciding or you've got questions about the hardware, the software, how they work together, stuff like that, even after going through the article listening here, then I would definitely check out Learn Stage Lighting Labs. I've talked about it a lot on this podcast so far. So I'm going to keep this short, but go to learnstagelighting.com slash labs to learn more about it. And inside there, I help people every day figure out what the best console is for their needs and how to get the best pricing, how to get the best pieces of hardware together that not only fit their needs and fit their budget, but also give them the best functionality. Uh, And I want to help you with that too, Warla. So Seth wrote in and said... um, Thanks for the tutorials on YouTube. They've helped me tremendously uh, with the free tutorials on YouTube. They've helped me tremendously with learning MPC and Onyx. Uh, We're using Onyx with an M2 PC. Here are some problems I was wondering if you can help me with. Problem one. All right. I can't figure out how to change the fade times between queues in a queue list. I've gone into settings and tried adjusting there as well as changing the global rate within the editor, but nothing seems to make any difference. Right now, the transitions are way too fast. I remember in MPC, there was a column within the queue list that allowed you to set custom fade times, but I can't find that anymore. So yes, Seth, what you're looking for, and I don't know what version of MPC you were in, so maybe you didn't get to the new window system, but you're looking for a window that's called queue list values, queue list values, okay? And when you find that window, you'll be able to click the edit mode button, uh, having selected your cue list, click it so there's the white box around it. And then you're able to change the fade times for the individual cues in a column in that list. It's the same window that's been there since the MPC days. I mean, it actually hasn't changed at all. So you should be familiar with that when you see it. When you're changing things in the main menu, uh, what you're changing is the default behavior for when you're recording new cues. So that's not going to change anything from the past. 
Uh, I don't know if you had previously changed the default fade time. By default, it's two and a half seconds, but maybe you put that to zero and it's too fast. If it's at two and a half seconds, then you could move the global fade time around and, and speed it up or slow it down for all of the cues in your show. That's that's one way to handle this. But ultimately, the best way is to set the timing right for each cue. If you want different cues to have different timings, go in there, set the timing for each cue in that window called cue list values and so that they play properly. Now, at the right speed that you want. Now, number two, I've been working at building a preset library to cut down on our programming times. This saves so much time, especially with moving heads, uh, running into a problem. When I'm working on building multiple cues for a song, normally I will copy the previous cue, then update the copy with whatever changes I'm doing. Now, when I update the copy, it comes up with presets applied to it that weren't even on the original. Then when I update the queue, the saved version doesn't have any of this. Why is this happening? My only solution is to manually go through the editor and reset all the browned out parameters that are linked to a preset. Okay. So I think Seth, honestly, um, <laughs> going to say a couple things here, but you would definitely be, by your description here and your, your level of detail, you would be a really good candidate for Learn Stage Lighting Labs and for our Onyx for the Complete Newbie course and just for being able to ask questions in the forums and get back a much faster response than you get sending them in here for the podcast. So I got to tell you that. But I'll answer your question. So there's a couple things going on here. Um, the first thing is that it's normally not a good idea to build a queue and then copy it and start building the next queue. The way that a pro, that a, a console like Onyx, and this goes for Onyx, this goes for GrandMA, this goes for Hog, uh, this goes for Camsys, I believe, they all kind of work the same way in this in this regard, and that is that they record and track changes. So, in um, all practicality's sake, when you're recording scenes for a song, instead of copying a cue to start like to give you a starting block for the next queue the way that the console wants to work is you build that first queue then you don't press clear on your programmer no need to clear anything out uh, if you're going straight into another queue and you modify what you want to modify make the second queue for the song then don't clear modify what you want to modify make the third queue etc etc and so what you're beginning to see here is these browned out values so browned out values, uh, when they appear brown in your attributes inside of Onyx, means that you've gone ahead, most likely, you've um, cleared out your programmer after recording a cue, you've pressed clear twice, you've then played that cue that you just recorded, right, at the start of the song, like you said. And the brown values are showing you that these are values, you haven't selected them, you have not brought them into your programmer, but the lights are doing these things and they're getting that information from a queue, okay? So it does nothing for the queue that you're about to record. So you don't have to worry about them. If you want to get rid of them, really the best way to do it would be to stop your queues, stop any queues that are playing and everything will return to their default position. But usually that's not how you want to do it. Um, and so... And so the browned out, the browned out parameters are really not something you need to worry about. What you want to do is, you know, modify those parameters to do what you want. Um, 
then you're talking about embedded references, and and that's something that um, when you're working with presets, basically the the short cliff notes of this is that if you start with one preset, you modify it, and then you make a new preset. What the console's trying to do is decide whether or not it should um, build the second preset based off the first preset set, or if it should build that second preset based off of default, basically. So that you could literally go in and have a great example of this is say you've got a, a band position for your moving lights. All the moving lights pointed at the band, okay? Overall, you know, maybe two lights on each person or one light at each person, doesn't matter. And then you could embed off of that preset, you could build a preset for, you know, one or two lights at the guitarist, one or two lights at the keyboardist, one or two lights at the drummer, et cetera, et cetera. And if you embedded those presets, actually the other way to do it, the way to really do it would be to build the individual person presets, point every light at the guitarist, point every light at the drummer, every light at the keyboardist, clear out, and then go ahead and select one or two lights, put them at the drummer, one or two lights at the lead singer, one or two lights at the keyboardist, and then build a new preset. And what it's going to do is ask you, okay, do you want to build this new band preset based off of, with the with the reference to the guitar preset? That's called an embedded pre reference, rather. And what that does, what's powerful about that, is that you can go in later on your next show, say you go to a different venue, I don't know uh, what you're programming, but it doesn't matter. You you go to update all the presets and you would just have to update the presets for each individual band member. And because the all band preset was built embedding those smaller presets for each band member, you actually would never have to update that band preset. It would always update automatically based on whatever band member presets you update. If you update some of them, if you update all of them, doesn't really matter. So, I think overall, um, you know, I hope this makes sense to you. I hope this didn't confuse you, Seth. But you would definitely benefit from Learn Stage Lighting Labs because in there, I don't just talk about like the user manual, which is great. I know um, I was involved with the last revision of it and I made the official video, so I know all about that. And the user manual is great. It tells you what the functions are and how they work. But what I take is, is a step further inside the labs where... I talk about, okay, here's how to do this in a real life show. Here's how I like to set things up. Here's how when you're programming, these different things work together. And here's how to, how to, um, from a mindset perspective, from a, you know, as you're going through your show perspective, here's how to work with the console to be able to create really great things. So I think you'd be a really great fit for it, Seth. Um, and, and I'd love to see you in the labs, but if not, this should answer your questions um, and get you rolling. Of course, it can be hard without video um, to, to dive into this stuff, but that should help. So Annie wrote in and said, Hello, we are a tiny nonprofit theater company in Southwest Idaho. We have some theaters. Um, our lighting engineer travels with a touring production, uh, Disney on Ice, and um, we have a show opening tonight. Okay, well, um, my question's, you know, um, nowhere do I really do like a um, a tech helpline per se. I'm not that kind of service. Um, you know, within the labs, I usually get back within a day or two to people. Uh, unfortunately, when things are happening at the last minute, you really need to call support. But let's answer your question anyways. 
So we had to troubleshoot our lighting system and um, we decided to set up an entirely new program. We use, okay, you're talking about new file. We use Onyx. Last night we got everything working, but then I added a preset that I didn't want. Uh, whatever I did is making it impossible to program a blackout in our 18 by 15 RGBAW fixtures without manually zeroing out the colors to blackout. I can't seem to delete the bad preset and can't seem to find any information on your tutorials or elsewhere that tells me how to delete it. Um, hopefully you can help me. Okay, so Annie, basically what you probably did here is you want to go to YouTube and look for the official um, training video for Onyx about the default preset. We'll link, we'll link to it in the show notes. Okay, there's one that's just called default preset. Um, and what this is, is this is a preset that you can record. There's a little sidebar um, button you can press called default. And when you record something to the default preset, it's the console's way of saying, hey, when you clear out other cues, this is what the light's going to do by default. So generally, this means that fixtures are off um, intensity-wise, that for LEDs, the colors are up at full, but the intensity is at zero. For moving lights, it means the pan and tilt are both at 50%. But you can customize this to do whatever you want. And I think what you've done is recorded over it, set the intensity of these lights to full, as well as the RGBAW uh, to full, the colors to full. And so whenever you're not telling those those fixtures to be at zero, uh, if you don't tell them anything, you know, if you don't tell them to be at full or to be at zero, then they're going to default to being at full. And I think that's the problem you had. So you want to look that up. You want to read that. Again, if you do have more questions uh, about Onyx or anything else with lighting, do be sure to check out Learn Stage Lighting Labs, as I've noticed here, because, you know, at the end of the day, I want to help people. I really do. And um, I want to make this always a viable thing to be able to create this, ho this uh, helpful information. And I always like to tell people, especially here on the podcast or anywhere else that I'm talking to people, if you love the free stuff, then you'll love the stuff that's behind the paywall. You'll love the stuff inside Learn Stage Lighting Labs because it's even better. Not only that, but not to go trip you, not to do anything like that, but I would not be able to make the free videos and to devote the time to always keeping them up to date with the latest versions of all these pieces of software. I would not be able to make that stuff if it were not for people paying, okay, for Learn Stage Lighting Labs. The, you know, this is a business at the end of the day. And, you know, not that I'm getting rich because I, I debunked that earlier in the show. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm a family guy. You know, I've got a kid. I'm married. You know, maybe more kids in the future. You know, I only have a limited amount of time. And so I used to do lighting full time. Now I just do lighting design part time. And I teach the rest of the time through this site. And the only way that I'm able to create such great free stuff is to make sure that people are paying for the paid stuff and that I, I continue to update the paid stuff as well. And I think it's a win-win situation at the end of the day that not everybody who sees my free stuff is going to become a paid customer. I know that. But if you need more help, if you're really struggling, you know, I would really encourage you to check out Learn Stage Lighting Labs because not only does it help pay for me to keep the free stuff always up to date and always the best quality that I can and, you know, buy the equipment, buy a nice microphone so it's pleasurable to listen to, you know, have the screen recording software, spend the time editing, 
spend the time uploading it, pay for this podcast hosting, pay for my web hosting. You know, all of these things are not free by any means. And so I'm not trying to like guilt you here, but I just like to share with you guys what goes on in my head because I don't want to just be somebody out there who's just marketing all the time and just being like, hey, buy my stuff. But it really does help you. It really does help people move faster. Um, I do have, like I mentioned earlier, a money back guarantee. And I do offer those refunds, but I can tell you that the refund rate is really low because most people get in there and they find that, you know, they, they get a lot out of the videos, even if they don't stick around for a long time. Um, and so I really like to encourage everybody here, you know, find a way. I know you're a tiny nonprofit theater company, but maybe somebody can sponsor you or something like that to be able to get into this, to be able to get a really firm grasp under your feet on how to use this program so that when the out of town guy is away, you know what you're doing better. Um, that's just, you know, some thoughts here. Uh, with with anybody that's asking questions. Like, I want to help you the best I can. And I want to, as as I continue to build this site up and it continues to grow and it continues to become closer to full-time for me, I want to be able to provide even better free stuff than ever before. You know, as I get more customers and I make the the paid materials better, I also make the free stuff better. If you've been following me over the past three, four years as I've grown this thing, you've noticed that. And I want to continue that trend, but but it only comes when people join and pay because that that frees up my time, you know, ultimately to be able to create this stuff for you. So it's not a guilt trip. It's not anything like that. It's just helping you understand that, you know, we can't just have free stuff. It's like sometimes you you people ask about Onyx on the Onyx forums about, you know, different free basically ways to output DMX or ways that don't benefit the Onyx team or doesn't benefit elation. And, you know, the official word that always comes in is, well, you can use these other methods. You can use these free things. You can go out and buy other people's DMX nodes and it'll work. But at the end of the day, if people don't pay for the console, then it's not going to define, it's not going to fund making the console better. It's the same thing with with this training. You know, I, I want to make great training and I keep a low overhead and all of that so that I can bring you guys the best I possibly can. But it, it does take people paying uh, in order to continue it long into the future, which is my plan uh, to continue doing this for a long time. So anyways, off the soapbox again. Today's been a soapbox day. Sorry about that if you don't, if you don't like that. But Josh writes in and says, quick question. Um, I've got a show programmed in Onyx for a band with a click. I've been able to add more wash type moving heads to expand the show via cloning. However, I'd like to add some spot uh, some spot fixtures in our show, and I'm not sure if that's possible. Can you help? I'm just not sure if the spot type fixture will clone the colors of the RGBW fixtures already in the show file since they're a color wheel rather than RGBW color mixing. Let me know if there is a way to make this work. Thanks. All right, Josh. So this is where presets really come in handy. Um, but at the end of the day, you're never going to get a perfect clone from a, a wash moving light to a spot that might not have color mixing that has gobos, etc. Okay. So cloning is going to be a great first step. When you clone, especially if you've used presets, you're now going to go ahead and you're going to get generated in the presets information for intensity, 
for position, um, for Zoom maybe, but you're not going to get information for uh, individual colors if you use color mixing. You're not going to get information for, um, you know, gobos because there are no gobos in the wash lights. You know, that kind of information is not going to be in there. But you still are off to a great start because now you don't have to worry about that position. You might have to update it quickly. Um, but it is going to take a minute to add stuff to your cues for um, gobos and for, you know, for things like that. So, you know, at the end of the day, basically, cloning is going to copy whatever it can but it's only going to copy from like type to like type. So it'll, it'll do RGB, you know, color mixing to CMY. I believe, yeah, it does that. It will do, um, you know, zoom to zoom, stuff like that. It'll do pan and tilt to pan and tilt, intensity to intensity, but it's not going to do uh, things that exist in the source fixture, but don't exist in the target fixture, basically. Uh, so I know that's what you were asking. There's really no no way to do that. Um, you know, use presets whenever you can. And then it's just going to take a little bit of extra time to add in the attributes that you're not able to clone. But most certainly you can at least clone, you know, the basic stuff, the intensity and the position, and that's going to get you a good foot forward. Awesome. So, whew, I know that was a lot today, guys, about 45 minutes of great information. I hope you liked it. If you did, hey, let me know at learnstagelighting.com slash contact. And let me know what you think about maybe doing a Patreon for the podcast here. Maybe doing um, a sponsorships, you know, having advertisers on the show. I know I don't do advertisers a lot, but I love to hear what you guys think about that. I'd also love to hear what you guys think about um, just you know, me doing this as a promotion for Learn Stage Lighting Labs still. Um, I admit, if I just do that, I'll probably have to go back to two episodes a month now that we've got 67 episodes behind us, but that might not be a bad thing. So anyways, I want to know what you think. Just go to learnstagelighting.com slash contact. It's where you can ask questions on the show, but it's also where you can just let me know what you think about these different ideas so that we can continue for, for years into the future helping people create great lighting and learn things about lighting, even if they have no prior lighting knowledge. That is truly my mission here. Um, and just another note actually that I was thinking about was with sponsorships. One of the things that makes sponsorships tough is that I really like to be honest and kind of a snob about what consoles and what gear that I recommend and what gear that I don't. And so for example, like, you know, I, I love Onyx and I think it's an ama- a great console and I think it's the right console for a lot of people. But Elation and ADJ also sell other consoles and I don't like all of those, okay? I don't like all those consoles. At the end of the day, you know, I don't. Um, and I'm not going to recommend a console that I don't think is reliable and is the best for most people. And so sponsorships can be tough. Uh, same with lights. Like, I'm going to tell you not to go buy cheap junk from China because it's not going to last as long, but I don't really care if you buy ADJ or Chauvet or Blizzard or Verilite. You know, honestly, you need to buy what's right for your needs at the end of the day, and I want to help you figure out how to do that here at Learn Stage Lighting, but I don't want to ever be like, 
I want to care about and, and recommend specific pieces of gear where it really matters. And a lot of time with a console that matters. But for things where it really doesn't matter, where company A and company B both make gray lights, then I don't want to, you know, really, I don't want to ever have advertisers pay me to only recommend their brand of lights when I think that the other brand has stuff that's just as good. You know, I'm going to say it there. So that's why advertising in the past, I haven't done it. And I don't think it's a good fit for me here because I worry about how it will affect um, my being able to be impartial. Okay. So anyways, let me know at learnstagelightning.com slash contact what you think about all these ideas. Because at the end of the day, I want to make the stuff that you guys want to receive, that you guys want to enjoy. And I can tell that if you've listened through 48 minutes and you're here at this part of the podcast, maybe you listen to your podcasts at 2x speed like I do. Um, and so it was only 24 minutes. But regardless, uh, if you've listened this far, then I really need you to go to learnstagelighting.com slash contact because that means that you're someone who likes the show, who's interested in what I have to do, and I want to keep doing this for a long, long time. So help me to do that by finding the best way that that I can make this sustainable. Um, let me know what you think. Next week, we're going to have my good friend Wesley Dietz, somebody I grew up with, um, started in production with, was working with him, volunteering, doing various things, and then we went our separate ways. He's now a church tech director full-time, and we're going to talk about lighting. We're going to talk about church tech direction, as I'm a volunteer one. He's a full-time one. Uh, we're going to talk about volunteers, all kinds of good stuff, and I can't wait to see you there. So be sure you don't miss this episode. Subscribe to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast, and I will see you in the next episode. And that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. Be sure to visit us at LearnStageLighting.com to see show notes, past episodes, and download a free guide on how to begin with lighting in your specific context. I'll see you guys on the site. Thanks. Thanks.